The Education Apple, episode 19, recorded on August 7, 2013. Welcome to the Education Apple. This is Bill Brazil, your host today, and this is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom as well as in the classroom of our daily lives. We run into technology pretty much everywhere we go these days, so um, we like to talk about the uh, latest and greatest, the different things that are uh, currently happening in the computer technology area and how it applies to our life. So um, that's what we talk about here on this show, and we will get into a number of topics here in a minute. But before we do, let me introduce uh, our cast tonight. My, uh, in addition to myself, we've got uh, Barrett Mossbacker. Barrett is the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School and also publishes uh, an online blog, the, uh, the Christian School Journal. Uh, so Barrett's with us tonight. How are you doing tonight, Barrett? Bill, I'm doing great. And after a bit of a break from uh, the podcast due to vacations and other things, I'm uh, delighted to be back with you and our audience. Yeah, I think uh, I think our summer is just about over here. So um, we've had a few uh, breaks here and there just uh, with uh, life going in different directions. But I believe we're going to be... Uh, kind of getting back to normal here soon, don't you think? Well, I hope so. I always miss doing it, uh, but I believe you were helping to move some furniture, weren't you? Yeah, we uh, we went up to um, Charlottesville, Virginia this past weekend, long weekend, and uh, uh, took a U-Haul up there with a bunch of furniture, got my uh, daughter, one of my daughters set up in a, a new house with uh, three or four other girls, and so um, they've uh, they've got a good setup. It was a lot of fun, but I did do a little bit more work than I had, uh, well, I had planned on working a lot because I knew I was the only <laughs> one that was going to be uh, doing the majority of it. But um, my body told me when I got back that I might have done a little bit more than I, I should have, but but I'm doing okay. I'm back in my in my office chair now, so that's kind of where I belong, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, we try not to strain you too much here tonight. Yeah, so. <laughs> this will be this will be good. Just talking talking through a bunch of bunch of items. So, we'll go ahead and uh, get started, and um, we like to take a, a look around the technology world and what some of the latest uh, happenings from the last uh, few weeks. And so, to kick that off tonight, I noticed. Uh, article that uh, talked about Apple's market uh, tablet market share falling a little bit. Uh, it's down to about uh, 32.4%, which um, uh, a year ago, this uh, the second quarter, the end of the second quarter, they were up at, um, I think, about 60%. So they've definitely taking, uh, taken a little bit of a, of a hit in market share. Uh, they shipped uh, 14.6%. Uh, million units in um, uh, second quarter this year as compared to 17 million uh, at the end of second quarter in 2012. So they're definitely down a little bit. Uh, they're still uh, leading the pack by a pretty good bit. Samsung is the second um, uh, in line, and they're at about 18% market share. So they've got not quite uh, double uh, Samsung. Apple's at 32. Samsung's at 18 so uh, still got a good, healthy lead, but um, it's fallen a little bit. And I guess we could um, uh, attribute some of that to the fact that they really uh, have not had a, a new offering in the tablet uh, area in a while. Apple has, uh, I think last year Apple had a, a spring uh, launch of the iPad Mini, uh, and this year they have not. So... That probably is a little bit of what's going on there. I don't know if you have any other ideas around that, Barrett, but I know people are really uh, anxious to see what the next generation of tablets are going to look like from Apple. Um, but until then, I guess uh, numbers are going to be falling a little bit. That's to be expected. Yeah, but I, w I would think it's inevitable. I think what you pointed out is certainly true, but... Uh Samsung and, and the tablet makers in general and Android have gotten steadily better and more competitive, and so it's not surprising. It, it's unlikely the company is going to maintain that level of market share indefinitely as long as you have some strong competitors. Uh, and Samsung's have been putting a lot of money in advertising as, all, as well. Yeah, yeah, they definitely have. I think um, 
some of what uh, you know Apple may be bringing out is going to try to um, combat you know what Samsung has been able to do up to this point, and you know maybe uh, dropping the price points a little bit on on some of their offerings, but um, uh, that's all speculation at this point. But um, but you but you know Bill, the other thing I keep trying to remind you know I remind myself of when I see these numbers is that at least based on what they say. Uh, Apple isn't necessarily concerned about selling the most units. They have no problem with selling fewer and having a smaller market share, but they're after the premium market. And as tablets become increasingly affordable and distribution spreads to other countries, uh, into developing countries, etc., cetera, uh, it would seem to me almost inevitable as long as Apple has that as its one of its key values that they are in, inevitably going to have a smaller market share. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and and. When I say they're going to maybe drop prices a little bit, I don't I don't think that's going to be much, and it's probably not going to be uh, here in the U.S. that we would see that. I think in other markets across the world, that may be something they're focusing more on with um, maybe the iPhone. And you know, we we've heard some speculation about the the uh, iPhone 5C, I think is what they're calling it, which is um, a little bit of a of a downgraded iPhone from from what we're uh, used to right now, but I think that's really geared towards a lot of these, um, uh, you know, third world markets and, and other markets that, you know, can't really afford the the top end. So I don't know if we'll see that in the tablet uh, area as well. Probably not right away just because they haven't uh, even really rolled that out yet with the iPhone. But um, well, Bill, Bill, let me ask you this. You, you've been a longer user and follower of things Apple than I have been, uh, but my I've been involved with Apple stuff now for about three years, I suppose. My sense of it is is that Apple is moving a bit more slowly in, release, in releasing new products uh, than maybe they did in the last five or six years. But I don't think that's an issue so much of leadership change at Apple, although it certainly could be, as much as perhaps they're focused on some uh, pretty significant new products about to come out, and they're spending a lot more time with that and uh, making more substantive changes, like, for example, like in their iOS, rather than just simply releasing something every 12 months. What, uh, you, you've been a long time follower. What's your sense of it? Yeah, I would uh, I would think that um, they are they're definitely taking their time and want to get get it right as far as what they they do deliver and and it does certainly seem like they've got a lot of a lot of things in the pipeline that they probably aren't going to release all those at one time. But um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about a number of different um, areas, uh, the wearable computing and the um, Apple TV and uh, along with the tablets and and all the rest and they may be focusing and I think they are focusing a lot on the software right now and um, you know that really has a big impact on on um, the devices themselves I think that's one of the things we've seen with Android and um, it it doesn't work quite as well and uh, you know the user experience isn't isn't quite the same. Uh, and there's, you know, usually more crashes and that type of thing. But if the people that are buying that are spending less money and are willing to put up with um, lower prices uh, and, and you know, not quite as uh, good a performance, then that's fine. You know, that's what they're paying for. But uh, you're right. I think Apple is, is still focusing on the premium end of the market. And, um, you know, what they're working on is still... Uh, geared towards that, but it'll be interesting here in the uh, near future. I guess September um, mm-hmm. they're going to be coming forth with some some new announcements, hopefully, and that'll kind of uh, re-energize the the Apple troops, maybe because we've been waiting a while now to to hear what the real deal is, what uh, you know, want to get past the rumor mill, and um, they're going to have to have to do that soon. So. Uh, well, I, I've got my my debit card all shined up. <laughs> okay, well, good. That's that's what it's going to take. I think. Don't don't tell my wife. <laughs> all right, I won't. I won't. All right. But uh, so, uh, but they have uh, also, and, and our next topic here is related to uh, work that Apple's uh, doing uh, around iOS seven, I think, and uh, some of the changes they're making um, geared towards educational purposes and. They have uh, come out with a little bit of news this last week on um, iTunes accounts for children under the age of 13. Now, that 
uh, has not been allowed up to this point, and uh, it's been a little bit of a limitation, I think, on some of the uh, educational uh, focus because, um, you know, the way the the iPad is being used in education now and uh, without, you know, the younger children being able to have iTunes accounts, that limits a lot of what can be done on the iPad. So um, they, they uh, came out with this... Uh, a uh, new approach that they are going to allow children under 13 to have iTunes accounts, but there are some some limitations on how that's going to work. I think um, it's not going to be a situation where uh, children can uh, create their own accounts directly, but uh, since it is in association with schools, I think the approach is going to be the, the school uh, districts being able to um, uh, create those accounts uh, for the children once they've uh, uh, once they've gotten permission from parents, so there's still going to have to be the the parental permission piece of it. But uh, the schools are going to be able to create those accounts for uh, the students and the younger children to be able to um, take advantage of of some of the features of the iPad. So uh, maybe you've uh, heard more about this than than I have, Barrett, being in uh, the educational side of things. Do you uh, have, were you aware of this? I was uh, aware of it in general terms, but I actually don't have any more information than what you're talking about at this point. Uh, our account rep who we work with the stuff has not given us specifics yet, so I think it's still in process. Yeah. But, but I tell you that the um, the timing couldn't be better because, as you know, Bill, we're uh, we're rolling out the iPads uh, next uh, next Tuesday uh, to our students. And so that's in process, and the timing couldn't be better for us. Yeah, and and I guess it's going to be all uh, tied into iOS 7. I don't know if this is going to be made available before that comes out. I would think that's going to have um, the features built into it to make this all work. But um, there's also a, a piece of this, a mobile device management, which I think y'all are using some of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's going to uh, have more options there that will give the teachers greater um capabilities to control what the uh, students' iPads see and and how that operates and maybe some of the interactions there. So that'll be another piece of it um, that that comes along. And um, one other thing that was mentioned is there's going to be, this will help with some licensing for apps that are used within the the classroom. There'll be some sort of volume licensing capability that'll be part of this. And um, depending on what you want to load on the the iPads, that uh, may be real helpful and and cost savings there as well. So a lot going on around um, that area of uh, Apple's uh, educational piece. So um, that'll be fun to to hear more about exactly how all that's going to work here in the near future because I I would guess all that's going to be delivered with the new iOS 7. Well, it's exciting, and the timing is good, and I think it's an example of Apple listening, in this case, to a large part of their market for the iPads. Um, as you are probably aware, Bill, uh, Los Angeles School District just announced about three or four weeks ago that they're planning on purchasing iPads for the entire district of their school. I think, yeah. I think if, if I recall the number, I think it's something like 186,000 iPads. I'd have wow. to look at it back up, but it's a lot of iPads. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be the uh, sales guy for that Oh, yeah. Area. <laughs> That's a good commission, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's uh, making a good commission on that, no doubt. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. So, well, you know, the the educational area has always been big for Apple. And, uh, of course, iPads just uh, threw open a whole another door for them and uh, how all that could be uh, utilized. And so I think uh, these new changes are going to just uh, really help, help uh, further all of that uh, uh, activity a whole lot. So we'll keep our eye on that and how that's going to help out. And it'll be good to hear uh, how you guys are going to be able to use that as well. So... Um, Next thing I wanted to uh, mention, we've talked a little bit about uh, Flickr and Flickr's new uh, designs and uh, new policies they've uh, put in place around their uh, website and and web offering for photographs. And and I think one of the big things we mentioned and and noticed recently was the the one terabyte of free storage that they're offering. And that certainly uh, catches a lot of people's attention, I think, uh, when they're looking for a a good uh, photography site to be able to store their their photos and images online. And um, SmugMug is another one of those uh, type sites. And I'm 
fairly familiar with it because I've used it for a number of years um, for uh, my online uh, repository of my photos. And um, it's it's been around for almost 11 years now, I think. Uh, and it's been a good, solid service. In fact, I've kind of expected it to be uh, acquired by one of the big guys, but it up to this point, it never has. Um, but they uh, recently, this past week or so, mentioned that they have revamped its site and its services. Uh, so they've uh, been keeping an eye on the other guys, and Flickr in particular, I suppose, and uh, are, are trying to keep up with uh, the big guys. And so they've uh, got a, a look that's kind of similar to Flickr, actually, with the uh, main page having kind of a lot of different uh, photographs all uh, kind of in a number of different panes there on the the home page uh, so there are some similarities there there's a big difference though they still um, charge for their service and some people don't mind that because they feel like if they're going to be uh, you know needing a service they want to pay something for it so they you know have a good comfort level that it's going to be around for a while but they um, they still charge it's uh, five dollars a month and forty dollars a year for the basic plan they've got three different plans uh, the basic and then a power users and then something they call the business users and business users is pretty much their pro uh, account and that's what I've had um, but the the pro account uh, or the business account it costs thirty five dollars a month or three hundred dollars a year but uh, since I was able to jump on that long time ago I think I, s I only pay a hundred dollars so um, that <laughs> that's a yeah, you pretty a big difference. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. that's one of the reasons I've kind of held on to it. But this year I may drop that just because um, if I'm I've got a good comfort level with Flickr, um, I may just let Flickr be my new um, online repository of all my photos. But um, we'll have to evaluate that when it comes time to renew because um, I do kind of hate to give up my <laughs> grandfather yeah that's uh, price. yeah exactly that that makes a big difference but then the uh the power users is a uh, eight dollars a month or sixty dollars a year so you got a lot of flexibility there on um exactly uh how you use that uh service but um the uh smug mug i guess is privately uh held and they're fairly um close to the vest with with their numbers and numbers of users they claim millions of users but don't really uh, tell us exactly how many uh that uh comes to but they do say about 30% of their users are what they call pro level customers and that's really where i think smug mug shines is they've um got a real uh slick interface and and make it real easy to for the pro photographers to be able to sell their um pictures online and uh, have a good uh, model for doing all that um, and you can do that with Flickr as well but it's um, I think you get the photos developed through um, Snapfish or something one of those um, mm -hmm. one of those mm -hmm. services but with SmugMug it's pretty much seamless you don't you know know really who's developing on on the back end um, so it's really geared more towards the um, the pro level uh, customers well, what I was encouraged by uh, these changes with Flickr in particular is I do have a pro account with them. And uh, there for a little while when Yahoo was pretty shaky uh, and constantly changing leadership in closing you know, some of their services, which they're still doing much like Google does, uh, I was beginning to wonder whether of, uh, how long Flickr would remain viable. Yeah. Uh, and so I was beginning to look at alternatives, but at this point I'm glad I didn't make any moves. I'm pretty happy so far. Right, yeah. And, and Flickr does uh, claim to have 89 million users, so um, <laughs> they've got a yeah, lot of people that <laughs> use their service. If they if they uh, close their doors, they're going to make a lot of people upset. But um, and, and another thing I noticed was uh, Yahoo CEO Marissa Meyer says there's uh, there are no uh, pro uh, photogs anymore. So I guess <laughs> their approach is that um, you know there's some good services available, Flickr being one that. You really don't have to uh, to pay for uh, most of those services anymore. So at least that's their their approach and their philosophy on the whole deal. Um, so another one other thing to mention about uh, SmugMug is they um, they do have an iPhone and an Android app that uh, work pretty good. The Android app is actually a native uh, SmugMug 
app, but on the iPhone, there's an app called Camera Awesome, which is what they have cho chosen to use on that platform to um, interface with SmugMug. So um, that's a little bit about that service. And uh, if you're not familiar with either one of them, you might want to uh, check them out because um, they do provide a nice service. And anymore, um, you know, it's probably not smart to have all your photos either on your uh on your memory card in your camera which i know a few people that that's where all their photo photographs are and that's uh that's mm, kind of mm, dangerous that's, yeah that's scary yeah it's scary and the next scariest thing is um if they're just all on your your local pc because that hard drive is gonna <laughs> gonna crash at some point i'm afraid to tell you um hopefully later as opposed to sooner but um if you can get them online somewhere that's uh that'll give you a lot more peace of mind so uh, you won't look into some online services like these the um another uh interesting uh, announcement this past week was uh something that uh, google came out with and it's called chromecast did that catch your attention barrett did you notice that? yes it, it did i didn't dive into it too much because i'm such a uh, consistent user of apple tv and things but the more i read about it the more intriguing it looked yeah, well, it's interesting. It's a, a little bit different approach than the Apple TV. You know, the Apple TV is a fairly small device, about, I guess, four inches um, square. But this uh, Chromecast device is really about the size of a little thumb drive, a little bit bigger mm -hmm. than a thumb drive. And I think it's got an HDMI connector on it. So you just plug it in to your, your TV via an HDMI connection and it allows uh, streaming video to your TV set. So uh, it's a you know similar uh, idea to the Apple TV, but it takes a little bit different approach. And um, I believe uh, on your your smartphone um, and your tablets, you you basically uh, utilize the Chrome application to um, connect with it and and start streaming certain uh video and, and audio and there are some limitations around that so it's not uh, at this point anyway as full featured um but of course it's just been been released so i'm sure there's a lot more development to take place there but one of the things that i think is uh of interest is the cost it's only 39 dollars, so um it is definitely less expensive than apple tv and um you know that's going to catch a lot of people's attention, but um, uh, it must have been pretty uh, popular uh, when it was introduced because I believe they had originally offered a three-month Netflix service promotion along with uh, the Chromecast orders, but uh, I believe in the first week they were so overwhelmed that they had to to kill that offering and promotion. So uh, now I wonder if it. Yeah, I wonder if that was a Google being overwhelmed in terms of the cost they were paying Netflix or if Netflix was being overwhelmed with the ability to keep up with it all. Do, do you have a sense of who would have struggled the most with that? Um, I really don't. I, I imagine they had a um, – maybe Netflix had a, a number in mind that you know they wanted to hit in terms of uh, freebies or promotions, and once that – that happened uh, you know i would be surprised if the the service was overwhelmed by by users because you know how when you buy something a lot of times you don't really uh kick in using it very heavily and you know until a little bit later down the road so i i would be shocked if it was you know a matter of just service uh being overwhelmed but i bet it was more in terms of the number of freebies that they were mm -hmm. wanting to give out along with the promotion but um it, it definitely exceeded their Predictions yeah, probably, and expectations. So <laughs> sure, they had a budget for it, and they they reached it pretty quickly. I suspect. Right, so. right. So, but but Netflix and and YouTube and I think Google Play Music and Google Play Movies, TVs. I'm not really that familiar with those uh, last two offerings there, but that's what's uh, available uh, initially. And then uh, this uh, Redbox and and Vimeo are on the way now i didn't even realize that uh, uh verizon was was a part of the redbox uh, service did you uh I, I did that they had purchased redbox not too long ago oh okay i must have missed that but 
um, yeah, that works well for them because uh, Verizon's colors are red, so <laughs> the red box uh, uh, movie rental deal fits right in, I guess. But you know, this is uh, indicating that they're planning on taking that online, and um, uh, I guess streaming movies through um, through that service as well. So uh, those are those are uh, have been uh, announced and and plan on launching on the Chromecast uh, devices soon. Um, and then I think others have also uh, expressed an interest, Pandora, um, AOL, and I'm not sure what AOL would offer there. I haven't really seen AOL on any of the streaming services that I've seen. Um, and then Revision 3. Revision 3 is kind of an online TV offering. I've uh, watched a number of, uh, they have a number of different um uh, types of programming on that service, so those are all uh, those all ought to be um, good services and provide some some good offerings for uh, Google and the video side of things. You know, one thing that I thought was interesting is um, I <laughs> I'm not much for listening to music on my TV. I don't know if you do much of that or not, but I, I know most of the the cable offerings and the, the TV offerings have a lot of music uh, channels, but um, <laughs> I, there's other ways that I think I would I want I like to listen to music as opposed to having my TV running just to uh, hear audio. I don't know. Do you feel the same way about that? Yeah, I mean I've done it maybe once or twice. Uh, have something and you know, just flip it on like Pandora or something of that nature and let it run for a little bit because I happen to have the TV on anyway. Yeah. But for the most part, no, I don't either. So I don't see how that could be a big draw. Well, there must be a number of folks that do that. I, I know <laughs> my parents uh, do. They 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 like uh, you know listening to music and I guess it's just easy to do that maybe um if you don't have a lot of options or don't want to fool with other ways of uh getting your your music piped in it's just um well do they have good like do they have like uh surround sound and good theater uh speakers and things that would make a difference i would think but yeah that that would be a a benefit i guess now they don't really but um you know you could definitely definitely do that now i i what i really like um and what i've got set up uh at my house is utilizing um the uh not apple tv but the airport you know the airport express mm -hmm. uh has the ability to uh, plug in speakers and and plug into a um uh audio uh setup and that's what i do with mine and that works really well i i can you know play music from my my phone my any of my computers and tap it into my main audio system it has speakers all over the house and i can control each one of those so um, that's to me a lot more efficient and effective way to um, tap into the online music. But um, mm. you know, this is just another another way, I guess, and uh, may, might make it a lot easier for some people that don't have all the rest of that type of thing set up. So, um, but I guess it's easy for them also just to uh, make those applications available, and it looks like they've got a lot more services for people. So um, that's another thing that uh, benefits them, at least while they're trying to beef up all the different uh, products that they've got to, uh, you know, add into that. So, But that'll be fun to watch how um, how people respond. And uh, obviously so far it's been a pretty big hit. Uh, I don't know if that's just been a novelty or if that's going to last. So we'll have to keep it well, on you, Well, you, you, you're not risking much for 39 bucks. That's right. Yep, you so. can. That's almost a throwaway. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can give a lot much, of those so. away for, for presents or whatever, and it's not a big deal. So mm -hmm. uh, they'll probably sell a bunch of them, especially at that price. So the um, Twitter, uh, Twitter made some news this this week as well. They've uh, introduced a new upgrade to their iOS app, and um, yeah, the big big news around it is the authentication feature. Now, they've also got a few other um, new upgrades we'll talk about here in a second. But the uh, the the authentication, the two-step uh, verification, has been built into their iOS app now. And I think this just came out a day or two ago, so I don't know if there's been a lot of uh, people you know tapped into it yet and tried to set it up. I did try to set it up. And I had a problem, and I was started wondering. Well, I wonder if 
you know, it's just me or maybe there's something wrong here. So I did do a little bit of digging around and lo and behold, I did find um, some information online that basically said they couldn't get it set up either. And it appears to be a problem with the app. So um, have you tried it yet, Barrett? Have you? Uh, no, that? because I, I've been using a tweet bot. Um, oh, okay. So I'm wondering if they have two-factor authentication through their website uh, just as a process in general. But right now I use TweetBot. Okay. Well, and the way they had uh, rolled it out initially was um, for Twitter, you had the uh, – they would send a text message So if uh, to, the, to the phone. So if I was wanting to log into Twitter on a computer somewhere – um, I have uh, set up my phone to be kind of the authentic authentication mechanism. So I get a tweet, I mean a text message there, and it gives me the code, the number that I need to plug into um, uh, my login. And that, you know, so the, the SMS piece of it was uh, how they did it initially. But now with this new upgrade to their app, uh, I think it's going to be even easier. Uh, the way it's supposed to work is if somebody or you log in on your computer, then you get just a little pop-up in your app that just basically says, um, you know, allow authentication or not. You don't have to even key in any additional numbers. You just tap uh, the button that says OK. Um, but it also will give you a little bit more information, um, which could be real helpful because, um, in addition to the fact that, you know, a login request is being made, you get to see um, details about the browser that's uh, being used to, to log in as well as uh, an approximate location of the access. So, you know, normally it's not going to be a big deal, but if somebody across the, the world is trying to hack into your account, you know, that's going to show you right away that, you know, somebody... Um, in the Middle East is trying to get into your uh, Twitter account. So um, I'm pretty sure it's the NSA, Bill. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, they might be catching a lot of uh, NSA agents that way. I don't yeah, know. there you go. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah. maybe, um, you know, so, so either way, you will uh, get more information once they get it uh, working properly. So I was a little bit disappointed that um, – it didn't uh, work for me the first uh, first time out, but apparently other people have uh, been experiencing that, and I would be uh, expecting to see in the next day or two another update that uh, is going to fix that. So hopefully yeah. that won't uh, won't be uh, broken for long. But uh, it should be uh, another uh, good feature that uh, will be real helpful, especially from the security side of things well bill i don't know it may be hitting the wrong button but just i thought i'd try it while you were explaining that and uh, i went ahead and opened up the twitter app itself and went into security and i'm getting a screenshot that says login verification the login verification feature is currently unavailable please try again later mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if they're working on the back end of that yeah i would imagine they're they're uh, busily working on trying to get that repaired so right. um yeah hopefully we'll see something here uh quickly that'll get that done but it does sound like it's going to be real um uh real helpful and useful uh, once it works the way they've got it on the drawing board anyway um so and and you know with so much going on in the security uh area these days uh, it just cannot hurt to um be uh that more that much more uh vigilant about um taking care of of your your different accounts and uh, these these guys at Twitter, I think, are you know uh, trying to lead the way with with making it more secure. So um, I imagine we'll see other apps doing the same thing pretty soon as well. But um, we'll have to talk um, security uh, at a later date, Barrett, because um, I've really gotten a lot more interested in that area uh, recently. And uh, I read a good book called uh, uh, I think it's just called it's just titled Worm. Which is all about the uh, Conflicker uh, virus that uh, I guess came out um, I don't know five seven years ago or whatever, but it's really interesting and um, provided some really good insight just in that whole area of viruses and malware and what can be done and what can be done to combat it and um, 
that's just a whole other topic, but we'll have to uh, spend a podcast on that sometime because it's amazing, um, you know, what's out there, what we really don't even realize or recognize. And, and I just think that's going to become a bigger and bigger issue and area of uh, uh, that we need to, um, you know, just be concerned with and, and take it seriously. I think, you know, you hear about it, but a lot of people just really don't take it all that seriously, I don't think, just because um, we don't see it happen very often. Well, I tell you, I, I'm in the same um, kind of same perspective on that, Bill, and I've gotten a lot more serious about it myself, and I have two-factor authentication set up on everything I have pretty much. But in addition, I now run VPN all the time. Um, yes, just, you know, I'm in coffee shops and things all the time, and the more I read, the more concerned I became how easy it was people basically patch into what you're doing and so i pretty much run vpn on all my computers and ipad and everything else um continuously except at home yeah yeah but yeah if you're out in uh public uh you know at a starbucks or using public wi-fi or anywhere that's definitely the uh, approach to take because um uh yeah you're opening yourself up to um a lot of issues potential issues there if you don't uh, use some sort of security like that so but that's a big old field, that a uh, big area yep. that uh, we could spend all night talking about. Uh, but we'll we'll try to carve out a podcast in the near future on how to um, kind of boil that down to layman's terms and uh, make that something that uh, our our listeners can take advantage of. So um, so back on on topic here, uh, just a couple other things about the the Twitter app that they've added. They've they've added a a way to view photos uh, if you're going to look at other people's photos in a kind of a gallery format so um, again the photography and photos area is just um, really a focal point these days so twitter has recognized that and trying to make that um, uh, a better user experience so they've got a little bit of a a gallery uh, approach to being able to view other people's photos that way and then um, they said uh, they're more control in creating and editing lists. And I'm not real sure what they mean by that. I don't know. Do you have any idea what, what they're talking no, about? No, I have lists, but I frankly don't use them that much. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll, we'll have to spend a little time trying to figure that out because I really don't can't expand much on that right now. And then the only other uh, upgrades revolve around just optimization, speed, getting into the application, and um, making it a smoother uh, in-app uh, type experience. So, so that's what's going on with the Twitter app. If you do use Twitter, uh, the Twitter official app uh, on your iPhone or your uh, smart devices. So, all right, well, we're going to jump down uh, then into what I like to call the fun category, and uh, this is... Um, some applications that, that I noticed that uh, kind of caught my attention that I think a lot of people might be uh, interested in, in checking out. The uh, first item is around uh, something that we've talked a little bit about, these wearable uh, activity tracking devices, and that seems to be a, a hot area these days, that there's a new company called Shine. Well, no, the, the company itself is called Misfit. I like the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they're, they've uh, created a, a product called Shine, which is um, a very uh, slick-looking little device. It's about the size of a quarter, and I guess it's one of the smallest um, activity tracking devices that's come out so far. And um, But it will, it will uh, track your activity throughout the day and there's just some very simple uh, uh, kind of uh, um, ways that it notifies you of your activity level. The device itself, you know, it's so small it doesn't really have a lot of, of surface area to give you feedback. But there are little lights um, that shine through uh, little micro holes that are in this device, and it'll that indicates your activity level for the day. Now it does have a really slick iPhone app that goes along with it that uh, will interpret all that for you and you can download the uh, memory and the the activity to your iPhone app and then that gives you a lot more uh, detail about um, you know what you've done and how many steps you've taken and 
if you've met your goals and all that type of thing. So um, <clears throat> that that apparently is is a really uh, big part of the whole process that that iPhone app. And then the way you charge the device, there's no wires apparently uh, that would be connected into it or anything. It just uh, you just place it on your iPhone. And I'm not really sure how that works or what uh, they're utilizing to um, to charge and sync uh, that way. But that's uh, that's the way it shows. There's a, a pretty good little video on their website that uh, gives a good uh, idea of how it works and and how you charge it and all all that type of thing. So um, if you're interested, you can go out to their their website and take a look at that. The um, the price is about what we've seen on most of the other um, uh, devices in this category. It's 199, I mean 99.95, so it's right at that hundred dollar price point, and um, it's available now apparently in the Apple Store. I haven't uh, mm. haven't seen it yet in person, but uh, the reports well, are it's out there. Well, that's the one wearable uh, device, tracking device, that I have actually been interested in, um, partly because you could actually wear that rather discreetly and with professional attire mm -hmm. uh, rather than a wristband or something. It just looks kind of out of place yeah. um, in professional circles. Um, but I'm holding off until I see if Apple releases an i uh, an iWatch and if it has any type of tracking mechanisms built in. If it does, and I like the watch, that might be the way to go. If it doesn't, yeah. the Misfit's probably the route I'm going to take. Yeah. Have you seen one uh, in person yet? No, but I've read and looked a lot of, uh, at a lot of them, and um, that's the one that intrigues me the most. Yeah. Well, it does look look really nice, and uh, they mm -hmm. show that you can. Yeah, it does have a little uh, band that you can get that um, you could wear it around your wrist, or you can wear it on your lapel, or um, you know, kind of as a necklace type thing. Uh, in addition to, I guess you could just put it in your pocket, or you know, even uh, inside your jacket or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I see. I think that's the thing. If you throw it in your pocket, or even clip it to your belt a little bit, it's right, so right. small. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me and well-designed that no one would think twice about it. Yeah, exactly. So so, um, so that that's a, a neat little device that uh, is available now. And the other things to uh, mention about it are that uh, they raised uh, $845,000 as a uh, Indiegogo campaign. Now, I'm not... I hadn't really followed that uh, site. Is that similar to the Kickstarter? You know, I don't know because I uh, I will sometimes fund a Kickstarter project. Of, I've done that two or three different times, but yeah. I've never checked this other one. The one I always see, hear about in the news is Kickstarter, so I really don't know that much about it. Do you know how long they've been around? No, I don't. I went out and uh, took, a, took a quick look at their website, and um, it was set up a little differently than um, Kickstarter. It looked like you had to... Uh, create an account and before you really get into it so i didn't didn't spend that time doing that so um i guess it's the, the same or a similar uh idea but they take a little bit different approach to um uh utilizing the website and getting into it so um i have to spend a little time looking at that because um obviously this was uh very successful for this company mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. did really well with it uh and and part of that might have been because of the uh, the company founder is the former Apple CEO John Scully. So that probably uh, caught a lot of people's attention as well, and uh, felt pretty confident about uh, mm -hmm. investing in that. So, um, but that uh, that will be uh, fun to see how they uh, roll that out, and uh, that might be a, a good little device to get a hold of. But um, yeah, you know, you know, my main question about those, Bill, and I just can't find any reputable or credible assessments, uh, is the level of accuracy for counting steps and movement as opposed to, you know, you get up from sitting at your desk and things like that. Um, have you seen anything that kind of verifies the level of accuracy of these devices? Well, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because I did run across a uh, article uh, recently about that where they had taken – somebody had taken uh, – maybe about three or four of these devices and uh, done some comparison. And they're, <laughs> they do vary uh, a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not, 
real precise. I think it's um, uh, more uh, just a good um, baseline uh, type of a of a, an approach to your activity, and you know. It, but it, they do vary a good bit, and I don't know that any of them are are going to really be real precise because there's just a lot of calibration that would uh, have mm-hmm. to take place because everybody. You know, everybody's steps are a little different, and, um, uh, you know, I imagine they're going to be making some improvements on that, but uh, just straight out of the box, it's not going to be real, real accurate, but um, it'll give you at least a, a general understanding of how you're doing, and, you know, some of these, um, they they do a lot of, uh, you know, they have a social component, so you're kind of competing or, or working against uh, or with other people. Uh, in your family maybe or friends and you know trying to uh, encourage and uh, compete to get more steps in that type of thing so um, truth truth be told though they're <laughs> yeah they're not going to be exact and uh, I, I wish I had saved that article but uh, maybe I can find it again and uh, post it in the show notes maybe yeah yeah so okay and then the uh, <clears throat> last little uh, item that caught my attention was um, something uh, called it's an application uh, that that Apple actually rejected now you can get a hold of it on the the Android side I think Google probably doesn't reject anything so um, <laughs> you know Google has has it all if uh, if that's what you want but um, Apple rejected a, an application recently that is uh, called send me to heaven have you ever heard, have you ever heard of this one? <laughs> not no, not until I read the notes for tonight's podcast. Yeah, so. okay, okay. Well, well um, sometimes I'm going to have to hide some of these uh, notes from you so you don't uh, get a jump on them because this this really I thought this was just crazy. But send me to heaven is um, the whole idea is to see how high you can throw your your smartphone. So. Um, <laughs> Obviously, Apple felt like that's not that great of an idea because we're going to have a lot more drops than we do, uh, you know, people catching them. So um, that did not make it into the app, uh, the app store. Um, so, Bill, you know, can you can you think of too many people that would spend four hundred dollars on a phone, give or take, and see how high they can throw it to play a game to hope they catch it? Well, Nabar, I can't believe you're asking me that question. <laughs> You 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 see these kids day in and day out on your campus, so you, you ought to know the answer to that. Well, I banned it for the iPad, that's for sure. It's not coming to the iPad. Yeah, no, no, it's, that's not going to make it. But there's actually a video. This article that I caught was uh, showed a video of a a girl throwing her her phone up in the air, and I think, and I don't know if uh, you know the way it presented it was you you throw it up and the the a smartphone actually determines how high it goes so so it'll come back down you catch it and it'll tell you okay you threw it you know 10 and a half feet up in the air and so um, you know you're competing against all the other crazy people that want to do the same thing so but you know it gave me a little bit of an idea that um, I might come up with a uh, an application that I would call um, B-A-H-A-Y-C have any idea what that might be? No. I was going to say that that one is going to be bounce as high as you can. So, <laughs> so we're going to see if we can go the opposite direction. Um, oh, that one yeah. sure. That was be sure to get rejected. But um, <laughs> anyway, that that just uh, that just. Uh, <laughs> Some yeah. people have good imaginations. I gotta tell. I'll yeah. give them credit for that. That's right. I'm never. I'm never amazed at what people can come up with because, or never not amazed because there's just more and more. Um, you know, ingenious ideas out there, I guess you could say. Um, but so, so anyway, that that'll close up the the fun or crazy category for tonight. Um, I thought we would take a, a couple minutes. I I ran across uh, a good little article, uh, and I've got it in the show notes. We're not going to really get a, a chance to talk about it in depth tonight. But um, the article was about should we take a break from social media when we go on vacation, and that has a lot of uh, interesting ramifications. And you know, some people may not even think about it, but um, we have talked uh, a number of times about um, you know our technology. I think Barrett, you've got a, a good saying. Maybe you you found it somewhere else, but 
um, you know, do do we own our technology or does technology own us? And uh, this certainly fits into that question, I think. Um, but, you know, when we go on vacation, you know, I guess the, the general idea is we want to kind of, uh, you know, uh, relax a little bit and, and kind of cool our jets and uh, take it easy uh, from uh, what we generally uh, deal with day in and day out. And social media is one of those things. Now, um, you know, th- there's several questions to ask. Is it uh, constant connect- is constant connectivity an inevitable side effect of uh, our always on modern age? You know, we're we're definitely connected uh, in numerous ways uh, in our normal life. And um, you know, is that a good thing? Is that a positive thing, or is it a negative thing? And uh, the answer to that is, I guess it depends. But um, you know, we also need to recognize if there there's side effects from being too connected, or if there's side effects from um, disconnecting from our modern technology and modern communication. So, um, I know I'd I'd lead a uh, group down to uh, Nicaragua every spring break uh, from from the school, and um, you know, one of the things that I just thoroughly enjoy about that is is totally getting away. I mean, that's definitely a a different environment. It's a uh, much less connected environment, and uh, uh, it's just nice to be uh, away from technology for the most part when I'm when I'm there. And it, it it's important, I think, to uh, really have a time uh, away from that so that we can uh, reflect and disconnect, because uh, reflecting is important. And sometimes when we're so connected, um, you know, we can't. It's not as easy to to reflect a little bit and and uh, think through things uh, as opposed to just keeping track of what's happening every you know the last five minutes. Well, uh, and, and we can be in a state of constant distraction essentially. Exactly. Um, and uh, that's not good. I you know pe- people take different perspectives on this. It depends on how you use the social media and the, and the connectivity. Uh, I'm fairly strict with mine. Uh, I use it, um, but for example, I've got my phone set up where it it's, uh, basically goes into um, uh, what's what I'm looking for. Um, and it just slipped my mind. Basically, where I can't but no, do not disturb mode yeah. uh, at a certain point in the evening. I have almost all notifications shut off all the time. Um, Facebook is restricted just to immediate family, I, so I have relatively few uh, friends on Facebook per se. But I have a lot that I follow, and quite a few that follow me on Twitter because uh, that's for a different purpose. And so when I'm on vacation, for example, I will designate 30 minutes to 45 minutes in a given day uh, to keep up with some essential emails at the school, whatever it might be. And I might use social media to connect with family. I might Skype them, whatever I might do. But that's just part of the family connection at that sure, point. Absolutely. Uh, so it's just a matter of setting the right parameters of what you what you want it to do for you and make sure you're controlling it. Right. Yeah, I think there's definitely some, some lines to be drawn. And a couple of things that this article pointed out was um, several uh, terms that I wasn't really familiar with, but uh, smosting. Have you ever heard of smosting? <laughs> yes, I had read about that before. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. social FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. Social mm-hmm. social media boasting. So if we're using <laughs> our social media to, you know, create a a persona that may not even really be uh, accurate, uh, or that we're just boasting about uh, all the wonderful and great things we're doing. That's um, that's not necessarily good. And then the the FOMO, the fear of missing out, which um, you know makes us really unwilling to tune out the noise from mm-hmm. from all the different social networks. And um, you know, there's definitely a nice stream of of information that we can take advantage of. But if we're concerned about missing, uh, you know, one or two little things along the way, we're that's just going to drive us crazy. So, um, you, <laughs> you know, know, I've discovered, Bill, that uh, I guess unless I miss an alert about a major catastrophe that may affect me, um, my life doesn't end and the world doesn't end if I miss uh, a week of a Twitter post. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's so, uh, one of the good uh, things of going down to Nicaragua is that, um, you know, when I come back, uh, I don't think uh, anybody's really missed me. So, uh, <laughs> but that's not ba- that's not a bad thing, you know. I mean. Uh, uh, I, I do like to kind of disappear for a while, and uh, mm-hmm. it really does uh, put things in perspective, I think, and 
Um, that's, you know, for me, just a, a healthy exercise, uh, you know, along with all the other uh, great benefits of, uh, of that trip. So, um, you know, uh, it's just, again, like I say, it's something that uh, we really need to be aware of because I think a lot of people, you know, don't even recognize the, the pitfalls or the, the, the issues that um, are there. So uh, it's important to uh, step back and, and recognize that because, um, you know, there's just a lot that uh, this social media uh you know, takes takes from us if we're not careful. And, you know, in the past, it used to be where the only access we had was uh, through our computers uh, on our, you know, desktop or laptop. But now with the smartphones, it's with us uh, 24 hours a day. So that's another piece that, um, you know, used to be we had to get up from the computer and leave it. But nowadays we don't have to do that because uh, it's in our pocket with us all the time so um but you know the really the bottom line is it's all about moderation and uh we just have to to be aware of the issues and the effects uh, and um uh, there's a number of different ways to to deal with that and uh, uh it's important to 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 recognize it so um there the there's more information and in, around this article and it'll be in the show notes if you really um, want to dig into it further. I thought it was was good. Um, just pointed out pros and cons and and uh, pitfalls and things to be aware of um, around that. And as we're taking our vacations and uh, you know enjoying the summer, uh, we certainly don't want uh, this kind of thing to distract from it if at all possible. So uh, it might be worth uh, taking a look at. So. Any anything else there in closing closing that subject, Barrett? No, I know. I think that's the the essence of it. That again, we in moderation and we control it rather than the other way around. Right, right. All right, and um, so we'll just uh, move on into our last segment then and uh, begin to wrap things up. We do like to uh, spend a couple minutes and talk about uh, a favorite app and Twitter uh, following that. Um, uh, we have so Barrett. I'm gonna uh, see what you've got for us on the app and Twitter picks for this week. Sure. Well, for my app pick, it's called Scapple. S C A P P L E. And as the listeners may recall, I'm a I'm a big uh, Scrivener user. And Scra- Scapple is produced by the same company, uh, Literature and Latte, uh, that produces Scrivener. And uh, Scapple can be thought of as an easy to use tool for kind of getting ideas down uh, quickly as possible. Uh, with connections between those various ideas. It's very much like using a piece of paper where you might draw lines between connected thoughts that you might have. It's a bit of a brainstorming uh, software, uh, but it's not exactly mind mapping. It's really more jot and connect uh, rapidly, uh, just to try to get your thoughts down on where those connections might be. And uh, it's a very inexpensive application. I think it's about $15 on your desktop, and it connects with uh, Scrivener. Uh, and I found it a very useful way to jot down uh, ideas for writing projects that I might have or even presentation uh, projects as well. Okay. So is that the type of thing where you can make some notes in it, and then how does it interface with Scrivener? Yeah, then you just send those over to Scrivener in outline form. Okay. So it works out pretty well. Um, So it's a neat application and relatively inexpensive Uh uh, and, and pretty easy to use. Okay, good. Uh, my Twitter pick is pretty simple for those interested in things Mac, uh, and that is Mac Life, and the Twitter handle there is at Mac Life, one word. And they have uh, almost 74,000 followers, and uh, I pick up a lot of good tips and useful articles by following Mac Life. All right, good. My uh, app pick today is uh, the GoPro application or app uh, for the iPhone and iPad. Um, if you've listened much, and Barrett, you know I'm a, a video guy. I like to dabble with uh, lots of different uh, types of video. And I picked up uh, about a year or two ago the uh, GoPro Hero 2 camera, and it's really pretty slick. I mean, it's one of these action-type cameras that uh, you can strap on and capture all kinds of uh, action video with. It's very small and um, compact and does a great job of 
of capturing uh, video. It's got some um, uh, waterproof uh, enclosures that you can take it underwater and uh, does some great video capture underwater, that type of thing. But they just recently came out with their new version, the Hero 3, and the the beauty of that one is they've definitely made some improvements in the, the video capture aspect, but they've also put in, uh, built in a Wi-Fi capability so that um, it's actually a Wi-Fi access point, and you can connect your, your iPhone and your iPad to it uh, remotely uh, to be able to remotely control uh, the device. And... Uh, you can also uh, pull down video and, and pictures um, straight from the camera uh, wirelessly over the Wi-Fi connection, which to me that's that's makes it you know just twice as um, good of a device because you, you can do so much more with uh, easily capturing those images and then doing whatever you want to uh, with them from there and uh, getting them online or whatever. So um, the GoPro app, though, is how uh, you do that. And um, so I thought I'd mention that. And I think there's also a few other uh, app, third-party apps that will do some of these same functions and maybe more. I haven't had it long enough to really explore all that yet. But um, if uh, you're into that type of thing, that little GoPro app, uh, for your iPhone or, or iPad uh, would probably interest you a whole lot. Of course, you got to spend the money to buy the camera. Uh, <laughs> the application is free, but the camera <laughs> camera will cost you a little bit. Um, but now, Bill, do you neat. actually wear the camera at all? I mean, do you have it? Do you wear it to, on, in, I don't know, on your head or anything or uh, bike or what? <laughs> yeah, you, uh, I hate to admit it, but um, I've, I've worn it uh, running a 10K over in Atlanta uh, a year ago. I was going to do it this year. But um, it was a rainy day, and I kind of decided I'd really rather have a visor to kind of block mm -hmm. out some of the rain as opposed I can't wear a visor and this uh, little head uh, camera thing. So um, I opted out this time around. But, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can mount it on bikes. You can. They've got a, a head mount, you know, just a strap that will uh, hold the camera as well as... Um, uh, you know, strap it to your head, and then I think they've got something you can strap it around your your chest, and just all kinds of different ways. But you know, and and they've got a, a mount for your surfboard. And unfortunately, we don't have any any good waves around here, so I I can't uh, <laughs> say that I've done that before. But uh, yeah, these I mean, you know, there's even there's a <laughs> a bunch of ways you can do it. They've got uh, the the skydivers. You know, most of these cameras that you see. Or the videos of these guys jumping out of airplanes and uh, all that type of thing. Those are uh, a lot of those. Most probably the majority of those are these GoPro cameras. So, um, you know, yeah. I ought to get one of those for my dean of students, and he can strap that on his head as he walks around the halls. Absolutely. You know, and uh, yeah. they catch something wrong, and he's got a video record of it. You yeah. know. Well, you know, so. now now with this now with this Wi-Fi PC, you you can have the live <laughs> video streamed up to your. Um, Apple TV, if you want to, and oh, uh, absolutely, right into my office, right. Yeah, yeah, so there yeah. you go. I can well, monitor everything. You know, I, it, so. I was going to mention your. Of course, you're joking a little bit, but um, <laughs> they they also have a a time lapse feature on this, mm -hmm. and um, I was going to. I'll have to talk to you offline sometime about this, but I think it would be uh, fun to maybe set one one or two of these up. Um, on maybe a building project or some other things that are oh, going yeah. on around there, and uh, you could capture, um, you know, a week or two and and put it into a pretty entertaining little video you could uh, have on the website and just kind of help inform uh, a number of the parents and uh, alumni and and folks of what's going on. So there's a, just a ton of ways you can use these little cameras. And oh, that's uh, actually a good idea. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to talk about that sometime because yeah. that would be um, neat to do that, I think. So um, we probably ought to devote a whole show to the <laughs> the uh, these kind of cameras sometime. But, um, but moving off of that, the Twitter pick I had uh, this week is Clayton Morris. He is a... Uh, an anchor for Fox News Channel. I think he may be a weekend anchor. I'm not sure. Those guys kind of uh, move around all during the week. But um, he's also the the part that, uh, of course, I like that. Um, but also he's a 
technology enthusiast um, and a Phillies fan is what his uh, little uh, about me section on Twitter says. But um, he does have some some good technology tips and um, you know a, a pretty good perspective on things. So you might be interested in looking him up. That's Clayton C L A Y T O N M O R R I S Clayton Morris. So um, that's my Twitter pick for this week. Um, oh, another thing I was going to mention, he, just to kind of tie in with a um, uh, previous uh, topic we were talking about, he apparently has a Smug Mug account and just updated his um, layout with the new uh, Smug Mug uh, layout features that they've got. And I, I looked at it real quick, and it's real real slick. I mean, it's a very nice uh, presentation Um of of uh, that website and and photographs there and he's at uh, claytonmorris.smugmug.com if you want to look at uh, how that smugmug page looks so with that we'll uh close it down for today and um we like to tell everybody where they can find us so um myself you can find me at twitter uh online at uh bill brazil that's b i l l b r a z e a l and the website is billbrazil.com, and um, that's where you can find this podcast along with some other information and the show notes, so um, check us out there. And Barrett, what about you? They can find me on Twitter at bmossbacker, that's B-M-O-S-B-A-C-K-E-R, and they may be interested in the christianschooljournal.com. All right, very good. Okay, well, we'll uh, close it down at this point and as always um, if you find this of value be sure to tell your friends and uh, be watching for our next episode should be coming out in uh, several weeks from now so until then so long for now and thank you for listening